Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, as we approach your word this morning, as we continue to study Romans, I just pray that you would convict us of your truth, that we would take it and embrace it and apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We start a new chapter. I know that's hard to believe, but we start a new chapter. <laughs> Romans, Romans chapter 13. And if you recall, Romans 1 through 11, Paul is dealing with the gospel, how one becomes saved. In Romans 12, he changes topic and starts giving directions on how we should live as believers. And that continues on in our new chapter, Romans 13. And I will go ahead and mention that we will be in verses 1 through 7 for a while. And the reason why we're going to be in 1 through 7 for a while is that it deals with believers in how they interact with government. I think this is extremely important for a number of reasons. I believe that, one, we are living in a time where persecution of Christians by government is on the increase. I also believe that through Scripture, we are directed in how we should conduct ourselves as Christians in the public arena. And third, there are no easy answers in how we should conduct ourselves. No quick answers. Let's say it that way. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the 13th chapter of Romans, and we'll begin by looking at verse 1, but we'll read verses 1 through 2 to start off. Romans 13, verses 1 through 2, Paul wrote, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves." So as we begin our focal passage, of course, we're all sitting in Belleville, Texas, and we're listening to the sermon live, but by next week, this audience of this particular sermon will expand through sermon audio, and we'll have people from all across America listen to this sermon, and we'll have people in other countries listen to this sermon, and every single person overseas lives under a different form of government. And of course, 
And here in the U.S., we're in the presidential system. If you live overseas and you live in a democracy, you more than likely are in a parliamentary system. And some people that listen overseas might actually be living in a totalitarian state. And when you think about it, even though we live under different systems, we are all directed to do what Paul outlines in chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subjected to governing authorities. We're commanded to do that. There's no exceptions. And in fact, if you look at what Paul was living under, as he wrote these words, the Romans weren't exactly a friendly system, were they, to Christians. And here he tells us to be subjected to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, let's think about that. And we can use Paul as an example. When he tells us to live and be subjected to governing authorities, how we should look at that is that we are perfectly in our right to work the system that we find ourselves in. Now, if you look at Paul, and you turn with me to the 25th chapter of Acts, we are looking at the point in time in Paul's ministry when he is appearing before Festus. And in Acts 25 verse 9, it reads, But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? In verse 10, Paul replied, he said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying, but there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me. No one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. So Paul, as a Roman citizen, worked the system that he had the right to as a citizen of the Roman Empire. There's nothing wrong with working the system. And you and I as believers, and in our case here in America and in the state of Texas, have the absolute right to work the system. So when it says subject yourself to governing authorities, it doesn't mean that we just lay back and accept persecution. 
We have the right to live and work within the system that we find ourselves in. We have three branches of government in both the federal and in the state system. And it's our right as believers under Scripture to work that system, to promote Christianity, and to protect our rights as believers. A wonderful example in how believers work the system decade in, decade out, is the multi-decade fight in overturning Roe v. Wade. Ever since I had the ability to vote in a presidential election, I voted for the candidate who would stand for the appeal of Roe v. Wade and stand for the rights of the unborn. That was my motivation. That's why I voted. Everything else to me really seemed inconsequential. I wanted to vote for the person who would stop the killing. And lo and behold, after decades, we saw Roe v. Wade overturned. And I personally think the Christian church isn't celebrating that enough. People say, well, it got pushed down to the states. Yeah, it got pushed down to the states. And people went to the polling booth. And they did what every American has the right to do. They voted. And if they voted for death, they'll stand before the Lord God Almighty and they'll give an account. We should celebrate that. It was our right. And we should work for that. And we should use the system. And we should use the system when it comes to the ballot box. It's given to us and we have an example with Paul. That it is okay to stand for the rights that you have been given as a citizen in the system that you find yourselves in. I briefly mentioned this before. It does not mean blind devotion. It does not mean blind devotion. And a lot of times you'll see people who aren't believers take Romans 13 and they'll take it completely out of context. And they'll say, well, this means that you have to obey me no matter what. But that's not the case because all throughout the Bible, we have examples of citizens living in civil disobedience. And I want to give you several examples of that this morning. First, turn with me to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we have Pharaoh directing the midwives to kill all of the male children because Israel's getting too strong. And the midwives, living a life of civil disobedience, refused. And in Exodus 1 verse 17, it says, But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. They weren't blindly devoted. 
They didn't follow Pharaoh's order. We also see it in the life of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, you'll see where King Darius, in verse 6, ends up ordering a decree that no one should petition a god. And in fact, if you look in verse 6, it said, So the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to be established a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. And look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel civilly disobeyed. You have the example of the midwives, and you have the example of Daniel. So we're told to subject ourselves to governing authorities, but we have examples of disobedience. So what does one do? How do you wade through that? Well, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 15. It reads, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk, referring to Jesus. And in verse 16, it says, And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us therefore what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They think they have him in a trick, that it's a trap. And in verse 18 it says, Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and let him go and went their way. And if you think about, and we've got another example that we'll look at here in just a moment. But if you think about the wisdom of Christ, and then you look back in the Old Testament, And you see the examples of the midwives and you see the example of Daniel. You're obedient until the point that it conflicts with your true king, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're obedient until it is a direct contradiction of your faith. I can comply... To a point. It's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, bend the knee. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. 
This last week was the anniversary of John Rogers, the first martyr in England during the Reformation. He refused to recant. They said, recant, we'll let you live. In 1555. Recant, we'll let you live. Won't do it. They burned him at the stake. He would not comply because it would contradict his belief of God. As believers, we subject ourselves to authority until it contradicts our beliefs related to God. Let me give you a New Testament example. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5 verse 26, we see where Peter and the apostles are still preaching the gospel even though they were told to stop earlier in Acts. And in Acts 5, verse 26, says, Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. We ought to obey God rather than men. Subject ourselves to governing authorities? Absolutely. For we can comply, we comply. And we live as Christian citizens. But we still fight for the things of Christ in the courtroom, in the public square, and in the lives of our elected officials. We're not told to be pacifist. We're told to live within the system that we find ourselves in. And we have lots of examples of... People complying. In fact, if you really think about it, would Jesus have been born in Bethlehem unless Mary and Joseph complied? They complied because they could comply. They obeyed. And we're to obey when we can. And sometimes, though, when we use the system, we have to be satisfied with the results, even though it may not go our way. Use the system. It may not go our way, but recognize that God's sovereign. We're going to deal with that more next week. The sovereignty of God among governments. 
But I want to give you an example of where Paul used the system, the example that I read earlier, to where he appealed to Rome. But people would say that he shouldn't have. That he would have been better off had he not appealed. But let's look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want to put some color to this. This is written under arrest. And as he writes the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Paul used the system. It didn't look like that it went his way, but he ended up being a testimony and a witness for those in the palace at Rome. We are called to use the system in which we find ourselves in to be subjected to that system unless it contradicts our belief in which we'll have to stand and suffer the consequences. But just like Paul, we need to recognize that if we find ourselves in persecution for standing for the things of Christ, that God uses those things just as he used those things in Paul's life for the furtherance of the gospel. Obedient, yes, but to a point, but to a point. And when you think about all of the things that we interact with regarding government, most of the things we can be obedient. But my friends, there may come a day where we have to stand and say, regardless of the consequences, that we will stand for the ultimate king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ, regardless of the predicament that we find ourselves in. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray that we might be a witness in every aspect of our life. And I pray as we live as citizens, that people might recognize that we also stand for Christ. And I pray, Lord, that through that witness that people might come to a saving knowledge of you. I pray, Lord, that 
as we stand in the public square, that we might always recognize that we are to be your ambassador. That we should operate within the realm of grace. That we should be people of truth and mercy. I pray, Lord, that if there is someone listening that does not know you, that they might have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might repent of their sins, confess their sins, and have Jesus as their Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.